Arsenal legend Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event, so if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Just Eat, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Welcome. So we're at the business end. It's all uh, very exciting. Champions Cup semi-final weekend is coming. We know our URC quarterfinal lineup. That will be Friday, 5th of May. Ulster against Connacht. We'll have Leinster hosting the Sharks on Saturday, the 6th. And Glasgow will play Munster also on the Saturday because at the weekend from 22-3 down, Munster drew with the Sharks 22 points apiece. Bulls 62 Leinster 7 is the most bizarre scoreline of the season and then Glasgow beat Connacht 29 points to 27 and John Cooney to the fore for Ulster who beat Edinburgh on the Friday night very happy to say Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times here in studio hello hello how you doing Joe and Fiona Hayes good evening you're very welcome thanks Joe good to see you Jerry uh, see you too there was also of course Ireland nil, England 48 at Musgrave Park and so Edinburgh on Saturday night beckons it is the evening game to uh, round off the women's six nations where Ireland will need a bonus point win realistically to avoid the wooden spoon and considering they've scored two tries across the championship to score four away to Scotland seems a tall order so we'll talk about that in due course uh, the URC regular season has finished up Jerry where are we putting that URC regular season in comparison with what we've seen over the guts of the last uh, decade I suppose I suppose it's been an upgrade with the South Africans there I'm not 100% convinced that they belong in the URC but they're there and with all the travel difficulties both for them coming up here and others going down there um, that that this entails but I do think that they've been um, they've upped standards um, I think there will be a, an extra frisson of excitement around the Aviva when the Sharks come in light of what the Bulls did in the semi-finals of the ODS last year. Um, we're guaranteed one South African team in the semis with the all-South African clash to repeat of last year's final between the Stormers and Bulls. So I think that's been good, particularly if you imagine a URC without the South Africans this year, given how the Welsh sides have gone backwards and are seemingly going to go further backwards. Um <clears throat> Apart from Glasgow and the Irish provinces, it wouldn't be a very competitive URC, would it? So I think on balance, while it's not far from perfect and this concept is far from perfect and the way the fixtures pan out is far from perfect, it's not even a regular league as such where we place the same number of home and away games. All in all, it's been interesting and, you know, been quite good rugby and it's probably just as well the South Africans were there or otherwise it wouldn't have been. Mm. Agree with that, Fiona, an upgrade? Yeah, definitely. Um, I know last year in particular, last season's URC, it was kind of disrupted at the start, I suppose, with COVID and the South Africans. We really didn't see them come into the fore till the second half of that URC season. So I think this this year again, they've upped to the level and, you know, they've been really good competition, especially for the Irish provinces. Like Jerry said, Wales aren't up to scratch and, you know, it would have been all too easy for, for the likes of Leinster and you would imagine they would have run away with it even further with, with the Irish squad in there but I I suppose a big thing as well is this kind of rule for this year where Connacht will be very disappointed with the Champions Cup playoff Um, you know the likes of the Welsh team getting in and the Italian team and I know that it's going to change next year but but for, for Connacht in particular I'm sure they're disappointed with that end of the season and how it ended 
So what is the situation with Connacht? I think Fiona, as things stand, Connacht are in, unless the Challenge Cup produces a winner from the Scarlets or Benetton. The Italians and the Scots are in the same group, so Glasgow won that shield, so that means Benetton don't make it, as things stand. Benetton would have to win the Challenge Cup to get the, if you like, the seventh place. Um, So Connacht will be rooting for Toulon this weekend, and most likely again in the final if they get through. And ideally they'd be rooting for Glasgow to win away to the Scarlets next weekend as well. And then the outcome of the Challenge Cup final will not matter, they'll be through. There's one other scenario in which Connacht could miss out, and that's if the Sharks won the URC. Because mm. after I found out today that, just to confirm it through the URC, that the winners of the URC, if not already guaranteed a place in the Champions Cup the following season, also progress. Okay. So their, 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 their fate is hinging upon Leinster knocking out the Sharks in two weeks' time, and before then, Toulon and Glasgow making sure they reach the final, and then they're in the Champions Cup, and which by rights they deserve. Is that Leinster-Sharks <coughs> game at the Aviva? Yes, it is. Mm. I think Brucey's playing at the RDS soon enough, isn't he? And that's why all Leinster's remaining oh, games game. this season are at the Aviva. Okay. Which could lead to a little bit of Aviva knockout fatigue, the way things are going, but we'll yeah. see. It's okay. going to be a hard enough, hard enough sell. But also, I think it has to be said that we kind of take it for granted, Joe, a little bit, that four Irish teams have finished in the top seven and have mm. qualified for the Champions Cup as things stand. It's a remarkable achievement, really, and a, particularly with the South Africans in there. And you look at Munster going to South Africa in the last two weeks after the result they had against the Sharks in the Champions Cup round of 16 and to go there and get a win against the Stormers and then to get a draw against the Sharks in 22-3 down really was in many ways the performance of the last fortnight. And they actually ultimately did both Ulster and Connacht a favour because it opened the door for Ulster to finish second, which they quietly sneaked into, which could ultimately be the difference between a home semi-final or an away semi-final in either Belfast or Cape Town or wherever or South Africa anyway for Ulster and it also helped ensure that Connacht finished above the Sharks and could therefore qualify for the Champions Cup as well I think come kick-off Connacht were assured of that but only because Munster did hold the Sharks when Sharks were leading 22-3 and you would have thought they were going to go on and get a fourth try and get a bonus point win that would have sneaked them above Connacht most likely on points difference as it transpired Connacht got their bonus point away to Glasgow which was a good achievement considering they didn't have Mac Hansen or Bundyaki and showed what a good side they are so I think you know, for Leinster to top the regular standings and get a home route all the way potentially to the final, for Ulster to get second place and a home quarter and potentially home semi-final, and for Munster and Connacht both to make the playoffs and, fingers crossed for Connacht, both to make the Champions Cup overall is a hell of an achievement that we shouldn't take for granted because it won't happen every year. Very true. Fiona, as Ben Healy was trotting <coughs> onto the pitch on 53 minutes with Munster 22-3 down against the Sharks it was looking ominous so 22 points apiece and Munster held up as well at the death they could very easily have won this game Archer once again plays 80 minutes in the front row O'Mahony like he's just made for these games it's like the the, the dirtier and the grittier sign me up Uh, Connor Murray I think has probably uh, Copper Fast and Jerry's argument that he should have played against the Sharks originally in the Champions Cup uh, Keith Earls joins the 200 club and he also made an impact. This has been, from what looked at the moment of their uh, departure from the Champions Cup, like what w- would turn out to be a morale-sapping, nail-in-the-coffin of, of this season-type trip to South Africa. It's completely rejuvenated things. 
Absolutely. Um, just on that Ben Healy point, I said it last week, he's like a, a different guy since he's come back from Scottish camp. He just looks like he's taken control of everything. He came onto the pitch, he varied up the game, he's kicking the game in those few minutes was outstanding. I know the kick led to the crossfield try, but even watching him in the backfield, he just looks like he's enjoying life. And, and they've definitely, I would imagine, the squad has bonded on the back of those two huge performances. And um, Peter Romani, as you said, getting stuck in I, I thought it was hilarious the whole bench just sat there with their arms crossed didn't even shake a head or smile or move because it's just they knew when Peter Romani was getting into that just before the yellow card like that that's just the way it is everyone was fired up and they went with a job to do to do and now they have a chance of getting back at Glasgow because remember Glasgow came to Tom and Bark and that was quite embarrassing for Munster Rugby that performance so it's it's huge for them to to even get the opportunity to play Glasgow albeit away but it's it's really rejuvenated his squad and I think we will see a big performance over there mm. Did you see it coming Jerry? No I didn't um, now I was out in Castle Avenue at the Clontarfion on Munster AIL semi-final along with two and a half thousand others despite the um, incessant rain and I was watching it in a bar before I went back and watched it properly today but even at 22-3 down the South African commentators are saying Munster will now be working out how much fuel they've got left in the tank by their own admission they were writing Munster's obituaries and for them to come back from there in the humidity and get a draw just shows you what a result. They're an amazing group whenever their backs are against the wall. The many times they defy all the gloomy predictions of their demise. They just, they just, they roll their sleeves up, get down and dirty, and just go and just fight to the bitter end. And does it make the Champions Cup exit a touch more frustrating? Yep, it does a bit because I think they'll they obviously learned a good few lessons from that, protecting their breakdown ball. Mm. They were much better at that. Um, Connor Murray, interestingly started both games in South Africa since being left on the bench for that Champions Cup match and was still on the pitch after 70 plus minutes both times which suggests they learned a lesson there you just need that physicality and experience as I've argued here before yeah. um, and then they were totally vindicated and having Ben Healy on the bench ahead of Joey Carberry even though Ben Healy is um, Scotland bound because you know against the Stormers he threw that brilliant pass that led to the Shane Daly try which was effectively the winning the game and I think with his very first action after coming off the bench on Saturday he um, had that kick pass, cross kick pass, like just to perfection for Calvin Nash for that finish that Nash produced. And that's what really got them back in the game before Murray's equalising try. And they were, they still, a nice amalgam now, like they were still trying to play a lot of offloading rugby and mm. really going for it. But there was just a grittier, a bit much more of the gritty resolve that Munster have shown in the past. And, you know, it, 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 it it's very important, I think, for them that they didn't get relegated to the Champ- Challenge Cup for the first time in 29 years I think it would have been just disastrous for the brand at a time when Limerick hurling is booming when young fans are supporting the hurling team more for Munster to have slipped into the Challenge Cup would have been particularly damaged for them given they are two-time winners of the Champions Cup the Heineken Champions Cup and that's very much the competition which has defined them in the pro- professional era so also when you think of what Roundtree and Prendergast and Leamy and the coaching staff have tried to do there there were bound to be teething problems they had such a slow start to ultimately have their backs to the wall in South Africa and get a win and a draw to squeak into the to absolutely nail down Champions Cup qualification fifth place not many people would have seen that coming no. into the last two weeks of the season and it just gives a little bit of an imprimatur to the whole Roundtree Prendergast regime you can see their game has evolved significantly um, after those mm-hmm. difficult problems at the start of the season and it's it's I think it, it 
almost a free, they won't view it as a shot to nothing but it's almost a free hit now against Glasgow they've secured their place in the playoffs and more importantly in many respects I think for the brand and for the finances they've secured Champions Cup rugby next season as well um, and you know Glasgow have a semi-final in the Challenge Cup next weekend whereas Munster can rest up after their exertions in South Africa and I know Glasgow unbeaten in 17 home games and Munster fallen there before in the knockout stages but it's, and it's a very tricky venue for sure, but they'll go there with a renewed sense of optimism now, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, and with that as well, Jerry, like it's it's very unusual for a team to go over and they did struggle in at scrum time to be able to go over yeah. to South Africa and come mm. away points, albeit struggling at scrum time as well. Like Archer was immense around the pitch and uh, Lockman in particular got pinned a couple of times by the referee. I thought Witcherly when he came on he really steadied the ship but like to come away with those points and not let um, the Sharks score Witcher Scrum like under massive pressure I thought was really really good of this squad and it shows their grit and determination. Yes because you remember Fiona after their exit at the hands of the Sharks in Europe we bemoaned the front row it's been yeah. a weakness for Munster for too long so they're still it's not quite one hand tied behind their back but it's definitely a weakness that they have to carry. Yeah, definitely. Look, and uh, as I said, I thought Witcherly now, albeit Nietzsche was off and there was changes in the, in the in the Sharks front row, but I thought they really, he steadied up. I just thought Lockman, they started really well. They got their, their height set nice and early, but it is an area, especially against the bigger packs, they're just so dominant. And I think once they get a couple of penalties, the referee is also going on the side of, the, of those uh, Sharks at the time and other bigger teams. So... I think it's that, you know, as Archer in particular, I thought was good and anchored the scrum. And as I said, it was kind of on the loose side, but that's, they have lacked that cohesion at times in the front row throughout the season. Mm. And they were definitely getting pinned there. So it is an area that they'll definitely be looking at. And we know John Ryan hopefully will be coming back, um, you know, and he's in good form, but they, they'll need to start getting these guys into more game time. And Salanoa keeps getting injured as well. So it's, it's an area Munster need to tighten up going into next season in particular. You need okay. to give a shout out to Malachi Fekatoa as well. He's uh, yeah. since it was announced that he w- they would be parting ways. He's actually produced his best rugby for Munster, and I don't know they would have got a draw without him last Saturday. His running game was so strong. It's mm. funny, isn't it? And, and Healy as well. It can go one of two ways yeah. when you're nearing the end. You can play with a certain level of enjoyment, and I'm going to enjoy my final moments, or you can be cast aside and you're mm-hmm. forgotten. They've been very much uh, to the fore. So again, Ulster Connacht that'll be a brilliant quarter final Friday. Yeah. Leinster host the Sharks at the Aviva on the Saturday and then Glasgow Munster also on the Saturday. A final thought on that one, Jerry, for the time being. Glasgow and Munster just don't like each other. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> it's a nice one to wrap it all up on a Saturday night, isn't it? What's the genesis of that? Um, I do remember being over at a European Cup game once and they were diving, I thought, a little bit late and at Conor Murray's standing I leg. Re- I remember that. Very and it late. got very t- yeah. feisty that night. And that was when Conor Murray's box kicks were almost at their yep. peak. Yep. And they yep. really went for a standing leg. Yep, they yep. did. And I think that sold a lot of the uh, bad blood. But there, might, but there probably was some going back before then. It's also the repetition of the meetings. You know, they bumped into each other in Europe on top of URC mm. meetings. They met in the knockout stages. So they would have, you know, when you, meet, when you meet the same opponents a lot, it tends to build up that enmity, doesn't it? Well, good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, took into that on the Saturday. Peter will enjoy it. <laughs> uh, Bulls, yeah, 62, Leinster 7. So Fiona, we quipped last week this was Deb sending Michael Collins to London. Little did we know. I'd, I'd say Leo Cullen was like, oh my God, sliding off the couch watching this. I, I don't know what happened here. Obviously, this was a very inexperienced Leinster starting 15. There were Springboks in the Bulls team. Mm. 
They were playing at 1800 metres altitude. To what extent that affected things, I don't know. But I mean, it was uh, Leinster in Leinster jerseys only because they were shocking. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have predicted that one. Um, you know, it's it's very rare you look at stats and watch a game afterwards and see that Leinster, you know, have only got 29% of possession for the whole game. But look, I have to say, like, obviously Leinster were quite poor, but I thought the Bulls were absolutely exceptional at times. Their offloading game, did 21 offloads. They really went for it. They looked like they were enjoying rugby. They were, were, they were bringing Leinster over and back. I think Leinster struggled massively, in, especially in the first half around that Turner-Brownlee partnership defensively. You know, the cohesion wasn't there. I think Turner was shooting up and it just wasn't working and, and the Bulls were getting great changed down the centre but you just have to applaud them and low uh, in uh, number eight was exceptional as well so they just Bulls look like the more they got possession Leinster be at altitude these young guys not having anyone out there to take complete control they were just going backwards for the whole game and you know Milne scored a try but just looking when I watched this back today I just thought how good were the Bulls they just okay. thoroughly enjoyed the game they threw the ball around and it was some of the best rugby I've seen the Bulls play all season Jack Nienarber watching on mm. with his mm. defensive instincts would have had a thought or two I'm sure I'm sure he would have it's yes it's so bad Jerry. I'm inclined to just say well there's no point even dwelling on it it's no just there isn't there really is so isn't. unlike them welcome to professional rugby Sam Prendergast you've got two <laughs> very contrasting experiences <laughs> Prendergast out is that what we're now saying <laughs> yeah um, but remember it is a bit strange though isn't 62 it? points yeah it is it is it is I there were warning signs in a week before. There was a lot of missed tackles. I think the t- missed tackle count was in the mid-high high 20s. I remember asking Sean O'Brien about it last week. And it has, was an issue for them in the first game and it became an even bigger issue for them last Saturday. It was a very young, inexperienced side, which was further denied the services of Reese Ruddock. Let's not forget that as well. The, the one leader they had out there, he would have captained them for sure last Saturday. And it looks like Leo just got on the, the, the right plane home didn't he just at the start of the week I remember we were talking last week about whether Shawnee really wanted to have a career in coaching or not he wasn't really sure himself maybe Leo was trying to disabuse him of the notion yeah. altogether not for me says Sean O'Brien after uh, that weekend does a result like that have any uh, propensity Fiona to spill into preparations for Toulouse or just like completely separate, no. irrelevant. No, I, I, absolutely not. No. I don't think so. I mean, most of those guys we'll see in, in that jersey playing against Toulouse weren't even out there. It was, it looked, it, I think it was great for, uh, as as Jerry said, welcome to rugby. These guys got a, a chance to play in the URC, some of the guys and and put their, you know, it wasn't, you, no one wants to get walloped by, by 59 points, but to be actually out there, experienced out, out that South African experience, go away on tour, go with the Leinster coaches. Like that is all going to sand to them as they, as they go down the line. It just wasn't very Leinster-esque. As Jerry said, I think there was 31 missed tackles. That'll be parked. It's got a completely different squad we'll see in the next game and it'll be, you know, you're, you're not going to see that high tackle count and the, 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 the Leinster squad that we see week in, week out are, are so connected and, and we, we'll see them, you know, excel, I think, in this Toulouse game. It'll be gone completely from, they won't even review that, I'd imagine, except for the younger guys looking at individual yeah. footage. Okay. Well, so often when it comes to Leinster for so much of the season, we tend to review weekend by saying, well, this is not where we judge Leinster. Mm -hmm. We're finally at the part of the season where Mm -hmm. we get to judge Leinster. And that's Mm -hmm. very exciting. So Mm -hmm. the weekend promises Leinster to lose at the Aviva Saturday, three o'clock and then La Rochelle Exeter is on the Sunday at three o'clock. The team news today, James Lowe will miss the game. Ryan Baird and Josh van der Fleer are back in 
contention. So this was the scene last year of maybe Leinster's signature performance of the year. They beat Toulouse 40 points to 17. I think in part it caught the eye of Racing to the extent that they looked at Lancaster and said, well, this is just incredible mm-hmm. rugby. So let's see if uh, Stuart's up for coming over to Paris. Uh, we have made the point it's a stronger Toulouse. This year they're top of top 14. They're one point ahead of La Rochelle. They rested players at the weekend against Stad. Big pack, glorious backline. DuPont in the form of his life. This is all set up. Could be a game for the ages, never mind mm. the game of the season. It could be that good. It certainly has every potential to rival that epic Titanic clash between Ireland and France yeah. in the Six Nations. And it's not far off it in terms of personnel. It's a test match in all but name. Toulouse came over last year, Joe, you're right. <clears throat> They were like fatted calves. They were sated. They'd won the double the year before. They got their fifth star. And I don't know, their 22nd Bukley, De Brenner, whatever it is. Like, they're just, this is a club that's just a machine when it comes to hoovering up silverware. And their frontliners, like Entomac, Dupont, all those forwards, and Ramos, they'd, maybe not Ramos so much last season, um, had been involved in an unbeaten Six Nations, won the Grand Slam for the first time in 13, 12 years, had beaten the All Blacks the previous November. By the time they racked up to Dublin, they played Munster the week before in the quarterfinals because that's the way it was scheduled last season. And of course, Munster did Leinster a favour by taking them to 100 minutes in a goal-kicking shootout. So they arrived somewhat shagged, somewhat sated, somewhat... This season, they're hungry because they no, didn't win any silverware last year. Um, they arrived with a lo- lot of Leinster players, no less, but likewise, Toulouse players like Dupont and Entomac got his mojo back in Twickenham. As soon as Jalabert got injured, he just suddenly rediscovered himself. Thomas Ramos is metronomic playing like he's doing side-footed pass, football passes on his own goal line he's nailing 50-22s and the drop of a flash he's instigating counter-attacks on his own halfway he's finishing off tries I mean there's no debate about the French number 15 jersey anymore it's his so we've got a host of players in the absolute playing the best rugby of their lives on both sides it, and Toulouse are a hungrier fresher side they rested all bar Richie Arnold Emmanuel Miafu and one other at the weekend in the Glasgow against Stade Francais even though that trimmed their lead to one point because La Rochelle won and finishing first is significant in the top 14 because it means you get the advantage of playing on the Friday night semi-final before the final as, and which Toulouse would want mm. that's what they got two years before and of course last year they only finished fifth in the top 14 so this year they're winning it so just I was looking through DuPont's records last week he started 22 games this season he's only lost one against Ireland Ramos has only lost two one against Poe one against Ireland lots of the Toulouse frontliners are pretty much unbeaten this season the games they've lost have been without their frontliners and they've clearly targeted this game every bit as much as Leinster have and they've got of course they've got revenge in their nostrils as mm. well so it, you, and Leinster themselves want that fifth star that Toulouse have so it, it would be fit any final for sure yeah. and it's just yeah I, I hope I'm setting up as well as I can right. and it could Listen, even surpass expectations itching for it now yeah. and akin to a title six pointer of which you'll be interested in one on uh, Wednesday <laughs> evening I sure will you know for a time they're on four a piece and then Toulouse go and mm. you ahead to five so potentially here it's to go 5-5 five, five, or suddenly it's 6-4 if mm-hmm. Toulouse go on and win the competition with all due respect to La Rochelle and Exeter so it, that's lurking in the background as well Fiona I don't know to what extent you will look to the Ireland-France game for guidance as to what will happen on Saturday I mean a predominant memory from the Ireland-France game is that Ireland seemed to dominate possession and territory quite a bit and then France uh, elected to keep the ball in play, if you remember. They kicked uh, mm. or uh, long or else didn't kick at all uh, and just ran the ball from everywhere. I think they spent, what was it, 
30 odd seconds in the Irish 22 <laughs> and scored their tries and that's, it was it that's was usually because they score from such long range it's yeah. true yeah, they're, 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 they're not going through the phases <laughs> in the 22 um, but that was the kind of tries that they were inclined to score on that day so I, I don't know again to what extent you would look back to that game for guidance uh, to this game it's still quite a few different players yeah, quite a few different players, but it is going to be a similar style. We know Toulouse love to, to counter-attack as well. I think what will be different, Joe, from that game is if there's if they'll try and play, but, you know, Toulouse know how dominant their scrum is. They know that it's 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 a weapon. And we saw with France, it was it was they had a dominant scrum, but how many scrums did they have in that early game? And I and I think they they probably looked back at it and would have looked at times where they, they kicked away sloppy ball and they would have probably preferred to, to to take those knock-on possessions or go for that scrum. So I think we will see a bit more of that and they are going to go after that that Leinster scrum. I think Lowe's boot is a, is going to be a huge loss as well. We saw in that Ireland-France game in particular, Lowe in, with Ireland, he gets you out of so much trouble. He's kicking game and his exits are, are so powerful off his left. So he's going to be a huge loss and it's going to be a massive test, I think, for, for Ross Byrne. This is going to be one of his biggest games, obviously. Mm. He'll kick on from here, but going into that World Cup, looking at him, all eyes are on him. We've seen how relaxed and composed he's been coming on for, for Ireland, but now he has a chance to start. We know Johnny's out. We know what Leinster are striving for and Ross Byrne is going to be the goal guiding the ship so I think it's going to be absolutely huge for him yeah Sexton played last year against Toulouse didn't he he did yes okay mm. so I mean huge loss who'll be in for low Jerry? I would imagine Jordan Larmer will come back in and Jimmy Moran was he on the right wing last time so he might switch over to the left so you've got that left footed option on the left hand side of the field as well so I'd imagine that's the way they'll go it's better to have a fit Jordan Larmer and a fit Jimmy O'Brien than an unfit James Lowe and I don't think James Lowe was fit in the final last year against La Rochelle um, don't think he played again after that that season I think he missed the Bulls game I don't think Ronan Keller was right or Hugo Keenan was right in that La Rochelle game either so yes he's a big loss in that Leicester match um, Fiona you're right I went back over the game and I actually just measured stopped and measured each one of Lowe's I think it was seven, six or seven kicks in open play and the average distance they travelled was over 60 metres now he explained that because the ball was wet it actually made it an easier strike and it could carry further but either way of course it's a huge weapon but otherwise, they're pretty much at full strength, both sides, really. I think um, Toulouse are missing Jalanch, obviously, and, and one or mm. two more. I'm not sure whether Marchand's going to make it. They, I think the expectation is that he will do. So you've got Marchand against Sheehan, you know what I mean? Like It's just Keenan against Ramos. There's just so many matchups. And, and what's the Leinster back row? The Leinster back row is to be decided, I'd imagine, because they hopefully they will be picking from a position of strength with both Josh van der Fleer and Ryan Bird back okay. available, along with Caelan Doris and Jack Conan. And I think... Oh, it's a tough one. You might have to leave Baird on the bench or yeah. put Baird in the second row because I just don't think the way Jack Conan is playing now and the way Caelan Doris is playing and Josh van der Fleer being Josh van der Fleer um, that you can leave mm-hmm. that three out. And it has been the go-to first-choice three by and large for Leinster and yeah. even Ireland this season, certainly for Leinster this season. So I'd imagine that's what they might do, but I don't know. The heft of Baird would be tempting, yeah. I would think, Fiona. Yeah, the line-out option. Against yeah. Good, strong to lose line out. Sorry, Fiona, yep. No, no, you're spot on. Yeah, I think I think if you if he's fully fit a lot, like obviously he won't be there if he's not fit. But if he if if he hasn't had enough running, I think you could have Baird coming on. But he's definitely I I think on his form and watching him and before he got injured in that Leicester match, he has to be in that second row and even to have him in there scrubbing. No disrespect to Ross Maloney, but Baird is just a different beast altogether. And him, James Ryan, and that back row that Jerry mentioned starting is just um, is a weapon, and they will 
absolutely go after Toulouse and we know that they're, Toulouse are, are, are not short on, on big ball carriers so it's going to be very interesting up front that game Miafu's become nearly like a Will Skelton for them hasn't he? they're still clamouring hard to try and get him French qualified in time for the World Cup and he's a real weapon for them so they've got that amalgam of power and then pace as well Labelle probably doesn't get the credit he deserves nor did that um is it Maffi? No, not Maffi. What's the Argentinian winger's name? Uh, he got the, he got at least one, if not two, tries against the Sharks. Um, so they've got. Oh tre- yes, he's in great form. Yeah, Malia, Malia. He, he did very well. Also, I think three of their last five tries were from their own half, off either turnovers or kick counter mm. counterattacks. They are the most lethal side. They're, it oh, it well, is quite like France in that respect. Against I think. the Sharks, they were frightening. Frightening, frightening. Three of the five what's, tries. What's the weather? Because last year, beautiful weather. Remember? Yeah, that would help. You'd want that. You'd want that. I'll check here. Okay. Who wins and why, Jerry? Um, I think Leinster. If it was in Toulouse, would you say Toulouse? Yeah, quite possibly. Mm. It's huge. Well. Like home advantage is huge. Like we said it about even the final last year in Marseille, that was effectively a home final for La Rochelle. Saturday at kickoff, there is a seventy percent chance of showers. Not quite uh, all. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. I do think that uh, they're the two best attacking sides in the competition, which is not to say that when if La Rochelle don't rock up in the final that they'll have a way of beating one or other of them into submission like they did Leinster ultimately at the end no, we, we paid the defending <laughs> champions very little respect yes. don't we the way we're talking yes. about yeah, yeah, yeah. and they, they, they obviously will be very hot favourites against the extra Chiefs in their semi-final on Sunday um, it's the two best attacking sides in the tournament I think Leinster Toulouse have got the better counter-attacking game they're better at transitioning from defence into attack um, they've got a lot of individual threats they have a better offloading game. They've possibly got a fraction more match breakers and game breakers. Well, particularly when you've got Antoine de Bon your team. No, they, do. You just, yeah. they do. They've got more X Factor. They, like Entomac, Ramos, the way he's playing. But I think Leinster are a more efficient attacking team mm. in that they've got better launch plays. They have a better phased attack. And I could see them again generating the kind of quick rock ball that was my abiding memory of the semi-final last year that ultimately Toulouse could not live with and even Hugo Mola came in after and said we know we, we don't play at this frenetic pace That's with right. the ball and play for That's over right, 40 sure. minutes yeah. Yeah. and they don't if you watch now that being said I watched the Toulouse-Leon game the week before last when they had Ramos and Entomac and others on the bench but they all players kept falling over injured early on they all nearly played the full 80 which I think might have influenced their thinking about the Stade Francais game last yeah. week and stopped the idea of a mix and match no you're all resting up for the Heineken Cup so but that was a bizarre game Leon really came and had a go and outscored them four tries to three and I know Toulouse won 35-32 or something but it was a magnificent game and it was very off the cuff but generally the top 14 games aren't quite like that and I just think Leinster will just generate that tempo attack through the phases and ultimately score more tries and win I also think that maybe defensively they're slightly better as well than Toulouse okay. slightly even though Toulouse have improved in that regard this season they really ramped up their line speed and know that they'll bring plenty of impact hits but I just think that through phases through that quick ball um, and through just exposing a few more chinks in the Toulouse defensive armour I'm backing Leinster to make the final What's the verdict Fiona? Yeah, I think, Jerry. I think home advantage is huge. Um, I said it, this Leinster team look really focused. They're on the back. I know it's obviously Leinster, but they're on the back of Ireland winning that Grand Slam. 
there's confidence there. I know Toulouse will have that thing from DuPont and Intermac from losing, you know, not winning a Six Nations. They'll have that in the back of their mind. I think we'll see a very different game than we saw Toulouse play when they came the last time. Um, they'll have looked at, at Leinster. They will be trying to slow down their ball even more, but I think Leinster are so efficient in that area, in their ball carry, in their raw cleanouts. They know how they get good forward ball. Gibson Park is, if he can move that ball nice and freely and they can keep that rock area clean I just think they're far more efficient and it's, as Jerry said their strike plays offset piece and their launch plays are really are, are, are something special we've seen it throughout the season and Dan Sheehan even in the loose they've, they've got X-Factor players in the pack I, I personally think Leinster have more X-Factor players in the pack to lose be it in their back line have the X-Factor mm. so it'll come down to what they can do on either side of the ball there Yeah fair point it's funny you think of X-Factor and you think of the back line but she and Doris, yeah. etc. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one to be savoured, I think, is the short yes. version. There's no real question at the end of this, but just to mention, Jack Conan was speaking to the Sunday papers yesterday. It's fascinating the background to his uh, dip in form and specifically uh, his dip in energy levels. He'd referenced it on the on his interview with the second captains previously, and then in speaking with the Sunday papers. He went into more detail. So it's he, so innocuous in some respects. He talked about the issues. I remember vividly being out of training. I was running around and I was thinking there is something wrong with me. There has to be something wrong with me. I felt like I had aged 10 years in the space of two or three months. I said it to the physio mid-session. I dropped out. I turned to him. I said, there's something wrong with me. There has to be something wrong with me. I'd always prided myself on being really fit and from playing loads of different sports growing up. Now it just felt like someone had turned my power down massively. I was at 60% the whole time. It felt like a training session was a 9 out of 10 toughness. Games were even worse. And this went on for months, by the way. This was not a, a week or two of a blip. And so the answer, it turned out, was found courtesy of a neck injury. And the neck injury was scanned and eagle-eyed um, radiographer uh, found a cyst in his pituitary gland which is common enough. I was like, Jesus, it's a miracle we found this. He said, when they're scanning your neck, they scan all the way up to the base of your brain and your pituitary gland sits deep beneath between your eyes. I wouldn't have known that. So it's between your eyes. And someone, whoever it was, was reading the scan and said, that looks like a cyst on his pituitary gland. So that was the first person to pick it up. Whoever it was, I haven't gotten their name. I really should because I owe them a great debt. And it was such a relief to finally know what it was. When you don't know, you're just pulling your hair out going, what's going on with me? Why can't I perform? Why am I struggling so much? I'd been on that Lions tour and I felt unbelievable. I felt incredibly fit and was in unbelievable shape. So long story short, once they knew the source of the problem, there was some medication and he's back up and running. And we saw him uh, reborn in Edinburgh for Ireland. So uh, when he does find out the name of that eagle eyed doctor, I think a bottle of wine and a thank mm. you card is probably in order. So mm. amazing. You know? Yeah, amazing. It just they thought it was long COVID for a while. They, yeah. they weren't sure. All oh, right, mm. okay. It just shows you, doesn't it, Fiona that, and, and Joe, like we judge players, be mm. it in a TV studio, a radio studio, a press box, in the stands, or never mind social media. Yeah. And almost no player is ever 100%. They've got something. They're playing through mm. some form of pain. Just the nature of the beast. Um, and how could we have known that Jack Conan, I mean, it makes his performances with that condition even more commendable when you think about it and now he must feel like mm. reborn he must mm. feel so <laughs> so happy with himself and his own body no wonder he's playing as well as he is again well it's an amazing thing that the toll this game of all sports takes mm -hmm. is just off the ch charts Fiona you would know that I'm and I'm sure 
there's legacy mm. injuries for all of you. Because Stuart Hogg, it was in the Irish Times, was expanding on his reasons mm. for retiring at the age of yeah. 30 after this World Cup. And so this is the reality of it for a fullback as well. I mean, it's not like he's renowned for getting smashed up, but he says, uh, spending hours on the physio bed every day to get right. I've just got to a point where having a young family, it breaks my heart when my son comes up to me and says, Dad, do you want to go and play football in the garden after training? But I'm absolutely knackered. I'm in too much pain. I can't go outside. So I'm like, enough is enough. Family's my priority. Rugby has become a job. So he's retiring at the age of 30. It does confirm, Fiona, when you watch uh, these players smash into each other and you think, bloody hell, that's a lot. Yeah, it turns out it is. It's, it's, it's every bit as painful as it looks half the time. Yeah, that's it. And the last year of my career, I remember playing with Ireland and I had serious back issues, you know, and you're trying to explain it. It was just sciatica down my leg and... I, I know I could pay, play through that pain, but it, you're you're doing it and you're just questioning, you know, as you get older in particular, when you're young, you'll, you'll always say, I'll shake this off. But I remember my last couple of years thinking, it, it's just horrible. I'm playing in pain all the time. And eventually I sorted it out and I was able to play with, with Munster. But international rugby in particular, I'm looking out there and players, it, it, the game has gotten so much more physical because there's so much more ball and play time. We're seeing massive hits. You know, there's a lot of people spending a lot of time <coughs> in the gym and they wouldn't have in the past. So it, it's it's massive. But what struck me about Conan as well is is how he knew his body so much. It, it's so good. You know, when you're an athlete, you have to understand every part of you. And he just knew something wasn't right. And to just go and keep looking till he found it, I think that's absolutely huge as well there's a lot of people that would just oversee it and say I'll be fine but mm. when they're training at such high peak you you know yourself and these athletes just know themselves inside out and it's so good that he was able to spot that and you know he didn't have the energy and he was able to go and inquire and keep at it and lucky enough to find out uh, exactly where it was and as you said Joe just something innocuous but caused so much pain and interrupted his game and how he trains well it's funny I did have the thought if Conan was 33 years old, he may well have mm. wrongly assumed, oh, my legs have gone mm. and called it a day. So mm. uh, you need a bit of luck in life. The uh, hog one is very heartfelt, isn't it? Not being able to play football mm. with your kid in the back garden like that and you're 30 I, years I, of age. I just don't think of him as, oh, he's fearless warrior, yeah, patched yeah. up, patched yeah. up. Yeah. But there's no yeah. avoiding it. Yeah. There's no avoiding no, it. No, he spoke about it briefly in the sideline before an extra game. I think it was the quarterfinal of the Champions Cup on BT Sport and he was very good as well. You listened to him and oh, okay. Yeah. I understand why you're walking away from the game now at 30. 30, yeah. So Ireland beaten by England uh, to round off the conversation and there'll be more depth, in-depth analysis of the... Uh, Women's Six Nations on the uh, Six Nations show later in the week. England 48, Ireland nil. Greg McWilliams, as he does and as he's entitled to do, really accentuated the positives and talked about this being a line in the sand performance. The other side of that is what a grim state of affairs when a 48 nil loss at home has been talked about in almost Mm -hmm. glowing terms. The short version now to avoid the wooden spoon and to avoid tier three rugby in the W15s for the next two years is that realistically a bonus point win is required away to Scotland. I mean, that would involve Ireland scoring four tries and they've scored two all championship. They don't look like scoring at all. And Scotland, Fiona, we watched the game, we had it in Virgin. Mm. Very decent against Italy. That rolling mall was very strong. Mm. Ireland's uh, mall defence isn't good. Uh, Scotland look like their tails are really up and they've come through a tough time and, and they, their captain spoke afterwards with real vigour and enthusiasm and they already were looking forward to next Saturday night under lights in front of a home crowd 
This doesn't look good. It just doesn't look good. No, we were in studio, as you said, Joe, and this Scottish team are absolutely buzzing after that win against Italy. Um, I think what we noticed and even looking at them is Scotland's attack compared to Ireland's attack. You know, you can look at different areas. Obviously, the line-out has disappointed me at times for Ireland and 54 missed tackles against England isn't really good enough. But what I what I thought about Scotland's attack is they're so structured, they're deeper, they can play on the game line, they can play at depth and they vary up their game. There's so many options in their back line to kick. So they're going to be dangerous from all over the park. And as you said, Joe, when they got them all formed, Ireland defensively were kind of, especially against France, were going up, were going down. They they didn't know what to do in that. But when Scotland got that mall formed, they were able to, they mauled Italy off the park and they'll certainly be looking at Ireland and going after them. It's going to be very hard to see Ireland win, um, winning this game with a bonus point. I think winning it is a possibility, but there's a definitely a few areas that need to be fixed this week, defensively in particular um, against Scotland. As I said, they have the ability to get over the game line in big ball carriers as well. But the four tries and just Ireland's attack and especially inside the 22 has the thing that just disappointed me. We've looked at all other areas and, you know, we spoke about outside stuff and it, it hasn't been good over the, the years, but just looking at this team and the players that are on it and, and the coaching staff is there, I think they'll be really pushing them to be very clinical inside the 22 because that has just been a shambles if we're honest about it. Yeah, it has. The Irish attack hasn't been very evolved or nuanced, has it? Like, you don't the worst, see worst, op- options. It's, it's the worst attack in the competition by distance. Yeah, and they'd be kidding themselves to say otherwise. Otherwise, yeah. There's no options out the back. There's no decoy mm. runners. There's nothing There's nothing to keep defenders guessing. It's very basic. And the handling skills aren't no. of the level of the other no. team as well. Again, this sounds very harsh. I take no joy in saying any of this. It would be lovely, genuinely, because like we have the privilege mm. of coverage on Virgin and, and this, you'd, you'd love if we were <laughs> enjoying the same nights. I was there in the game last year in the Kingspan when they beat Scotland. And yeah, the the, the yeah, scenes yeah. were magnificent when the game was over, you know, because there was a bit of a whiff of vengeance for the World Cup playoff defeat, wasn't there, initially, about that game yeah. as well. So it was, it was great to see. and it's that, that felt like a line in the sand moment, did, actually. Yeah, it did, it, it did, it, it did. turns out a year on... Mm. the gap has increased they've definitely seemed to have taken another step back whether to take two steps forward or not in the future remains to be seen but it certainly won't be helped if we're talking about it as we were last week Fiona in this programme if they're playing yeah. the likes of Kazakhstan and yeah. Jamaica and so forth That's, yeah I mean it was a damage and lim- lim- limitation damage exercise wasn't it that's what it was last Saturday and to mm. keep England under 15 be the only team to do that well in view of those, in strictly in those parameters, it, it was a relatively successful yeah. day, despite the 54 missed tackles, which just shows you how well they scrambled and defended their own line. But England were distinctly unhappy after this, came away having lost their captain through injury and botched a lot of chances the way they saw it themselves and not were coming anywhere close to it. And it's it was disappointing. The whole debate, as bad as the match, it wasn't so much the match itself, it was the debate leading up to it when you have the English coach questioning the value of these games. And... Mm. How long more can the Six Nations go on like this? That's that was scary stuff. Um, but I, yeah, in terms of what they were presented with last week, I don't think they could have done a whole lot more. Honourable mention as well. There were some green shoots. Dervin Nikavaid yeah. was very good. Aoife Doyle, some nice touches. Samon Samon mm. and Neve Jones. Like I mean, I know Darth weren't <laughs> great, but like twenty-five tackles, none yeah. missed when your teammates are missing fifty-four between them. She Gotta give her uh, mention. The championship last year in dominant tackles as well. Yeah, and she's not the biggest girl out there, no. but it shows like yeah. that's in them. Yeah, if, if they yeah. Can. She's a class act. She's definitely a class act. And, you know, obviously the line out, you can't just always blame the hooker. But 
But no, but a lot of, she hasn't been thrown with club and we, we've said that already, you know, so she hasn't been thrown all season. But how good is she around the park? And you, you'd never question the heart and the fight because it's in those girls and they have it. And I, I saw it at times against England and it's brilliant to have, but we just, it, this is the last game and I think it will leave them in a much happier place going into whatever uh, seed, whatever side of the tournament they're going to be playing in this World 15 tournament. If we could see some sort of attack, I mean, the back, three were much better in attack. Aoife Doyle, as you said, was really good. I thought Lauren Delaney got herself involved, but they've just got to be far more clinical inside in that 22 area. And there have been some um, decoy runners, but they they've looked like decoy runners. Mm. I think that's that's the that's the 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 problem in it there as well. They're not getting it right where we where they look like there's three or four different options on. So those are things they can absolutely nail this weekend. Be it getting a bit flat or whatever they need to do. But I think it'll be great and we'll be in a much happier place looking at it. Even if they do finish last, if we see some sort of evolution and attack. Okay, well that's um, half seven kickoff. It, oddly, you would think they would push England France into prime TV slot, but it's at one o'clock in the one day. One o'clock. I just think that's with strange. a fifty thousand plus crowd already yeah. guaranteed. That, that should be under lights as the yeah. natural finale, yeah. not the first game Very of the odd. day. I don't know the logic. No, I'm sure there is one. Mm. I don't know, but anyway, there'll be fifty thousand plus at Twickenham, and that should be an amazing. Maybe BBC game. couldn't show it at night time. Maybe that's it was a one pm slot suited their schedules better, or some TV companies better. I don't know. I yeah, mm. Mm. they'd manage for that game. Like that game is legitimately. It'd be a good game, but England will win, won't they? Probably, yeah. Fiona, yeah. Fiona, I, yeah. Um, I think so. I covered France on. Um, I covered France on Sunday, and they were so good in the first half. It rained, and then. They, they were just, you know, they were typically the errors were out the window. I think their error count went out by up by yours, but really high. I think France have that X factor we talked about in Toulouse and in the men's team. They have a lot of those players, but in England are far more clinical. You know, their, their, their set piece is good. They're really structured, structured to the point that they very, they very rarely make errors, in certain, especially inside the 22, be it last week, Ireland forced a couple. But I think England, especially in that 50,000 at home, We'll just sneak it, but it will be a close game. They're mean, England. They just keep beating <laughs> up on you. Do you know what I mean? Marley Parker's like, can I score eight tries? I'm going to try. Mm. <laughs> you know, they just have that about them. Mm-hmm. So I don't like them. <laughs> um, and to go with that meanness, they were quite peed off about their own performance when winning yeah. 48-0. Yeah. No, look, yeah. they, I think they would consider that a very bad day at the office, but... Um, we are way out of time. So we'll talk next week. Should be an interesting couple of days. Uh, men's and women's rugby. Fiona, thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Fiona is with us. Jerry Thorny of the Irish Times, thank you very Cheers. much. Our rugby coverage on Off the Ball is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.